Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. This show is brought to you by Nexus, managed hosting plans that keeps your Woo shops powerful, profitable, and error-free. And Clavio, your growth marketing partner for your clients or for your own business. I'll tell you more about our pod friends later in the show, but let's get started as we welcome two guest hosts, Robert Cairns from Stunning Digital Marketing and Robert Rowling from Patchstack. Both are veterans in the security space and listen as they share some great tips for WooCommerce builders. I'm Rob Cairns from Stunning Digital Marketing, and I'm here with Robert Rowley from Patchstack. How are you today, Robert? Hello, I'm doing good, and yourself? Not too bad. So what do you kind of do up at Patchstack? Yeah, so I am Patchstack's security advocate. I reach out to the community and talk with people about the topics of security as it pertains to open source and WordPress websites. Yeah, that's really cool. I thought we'd jump into um, and start off with the community and security before we get in some nuts and bolts. And the community kind of drives um, the security's response, does it not? Yeah, the WordPress community as well as the open, more open community out there, yeah. And part of the biggest issues, and you and I have been talking about recently, about um, the security response is trust. Who do you trust? Who do you believe? And why do you believe? Mm, that's a That's a deep question. So who I trust with anything is the person who's doing the work or, you know, actually getting things done. Um, and you can look into that to make sure that they're actually putting in the effort and they're communicating. That's the way you can communicate to other people that you have, you know, you're doing something, you're familiar, you're an expert in the field. And that's how you build your trust with those people is by informing them of the things they probably need to know that maybe they don't need to know. And that's how you kind of build trust in the community. And so communication, I think it's kind of a short answer. Yeah. I think that's key is how you communicate in the community and how you respond to issues in the community. So we've seen, you know, several times, um, and I'll use your own company as an example, where there was a, um, you posted a report, then there was a, a rebuttal on Master WP, and then you responded. And right. that went over really well in the community because it showed that you were trusted and willing to share with the community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a discourse, right? A discussion that came out of us saying something a little loosely, using our communication a little bit lightly. Somebody called us out and we understood and accepted what they said and learned from the experience and became better. So a lot of people in the open source community have this philosophy that bugs and open source is the problem and vulnerabilities come from code. What is your feeling on that and why? Yeah, vulnerabilities coming from code. It's an interesting one. Uh, vulnerabilities, of course, exist in code, but we're focused on a patch stack. We are focused on security bug patches, right? We're trying to get more security bugs found and then patched in these codes. If you don't, people confuse this because they conflate security bug being patched with a vulnerability being released in the wild. But again, that comes back down to the point that we just made about communicating issues. Uh, it's a complicated structure that I don't have in the mental model in my mind right now, but it's the idea is that the security bug exists 
somebody randomly out there in the wild may find that security bug in the code. And the next step that needs to happen is either is that person communicating with the developer, right? And is the developer able to, you know, start patching and working on the problem? Or is that person, the security researcher or whoever found the bug, just going to do whatever they want with it, perhaps release it openly to the wild just to get their own notoriety or some other negative thing? But what Patch Act is, is we kind of act like a mediator or a moderator in these cases. We try to engage with the security researchers so they can engage with the developers and together work together to apply a patch. Again, we're facilitating communication. On top of that, there's another layer between the developers and the users of their code where the developer needs to clearly communicate the importance of an update. They need to not hide, you know, in their change logs that this is just a simple bug fix if it's a security bug fix. Because this, the users want to know that they, the um, developers of the programs that they use are on top of security bug patches. It's actually a good thing to communicate, hey, this release is important. I patched a serious issue. You know, move on. As long as everybody's updated, no sites get compromised. Yeah. And, you know, and in pertinence, because this is a show, Do the Woo, we should talk a bit, little bit about WooCommerce and the security there. We all know... Most of us in the game, you got to do your software updates. You got to watch passwords. You got to watch your SSL certificate because if you're doing e-commerce, that's really important. Um, what do you feel about things like devices, like card readers that are attached to your WooCommerce website and taking payments? No, um, I'm trying to think. So the card readers are actually kind of nice because if we talk about PCI compliance, which is one of those requirements, the card readers, like a physical kiosk that can start accepting payments, kind of gives a trusted device to handle your payments. And you actually get a better rate sometimes by using a card reader instead of accepting the credit cards over your website. Now, these card readers are, you know, they're heavily scrutinized for security, or at least we so hope. Uh, they're closed source, so we're not quite sure. In turn, your website is kind of like a card reader, right? It exists online, and it's also, uh, you know, basically a thing that accepts card payments. And PCI has its own separate, uh, like, entity or basically a category for websites that accept card payments. You kind of fall under a different line. And PCI is kind of nice because they they tell you what you need to do to be a trusted uh, website to accept uh, uh, card payments, card-based payments. And I did PCI scanning and I wrote PCI scanning software for a number of years. Um, I'm actually was for a short while qualified security assessor for PCI uh, needs. So I've been through it all. And what's interesting is that the websites, to be honest, it's pretty easy to get PCI compliant because mostly what you need to do is make sure your components are up to date. And like you said earlier, right? Make sure everything's up to date. Make sure you've got your SSL certificate installed. Make sure your passwords are good. No evidence of compromise, et cetera, so forth. Yeah, and and I would argue, you know, I was in a conversation the other day with somebody and somebody was saying, well, Shopify doesn't have any bugs and Wix doesn't have any bugs and Weebly doesn't have any bugs. And then the conversation went on to somebody else on Twitter and they, they turned around and said, but are they really not having any bugs or kind of back into the whole trust issue or are we actually reporting the bugs and are they being transparent with their community? And my argument would be they're probably not being as transparent as WooCommerce and uh, WordPress. So, 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the biggest difference, if they don't report security bugs, it may definitely looks like they don't have security bugs, but that's not the same thing. Not reporting your security bugs does not mean you're free of security bugs. I think I, I was quoted yesterday on Twitter where somebody asked about closed source versus open source. And I said, I'd much rather you show your work. Like by showing your work, open source, being transparent about their code, being transparent uh, most of the times, especially the more serious plugins and the big big names like the the paid plugins. A lot of those times, they're they're pretty honest about you know security updates and they put in the work to pay for security audits. Uh, but not all plugins, of course, because that's a big ecosystem. Um, and then the other thought I had, and I was thinking about recently, was this whole thing around the devices again and the come back there. So mm. you go to oh, yeah. you go to a WooCommerce site. You grab a Square reader, for example, not to pick on Square. I love Square. And you interface that with Woo because Square does have an interface with Woo. But the problem is you show up at your local flea market, so you're doing WooCommerce checkouts, and you have an issue that that firmware, which is the software in Square that runs Square, hasn't been updated in probably a year or two. And isn't that a problem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're getting at. The problem there would be the users who have the little device, the kiosk that accepts the credit cards, have not been informed of uh, you know any potential importance of an update. It even goes kind of beyond for most average people out there. If, you don't, if you're not a, going to farmer's markets, I'm going to bet that your Wi-Fi router hasn't gotten an update in a while. And that's because the vendor isn't communicating with you the importance of various updates and and you know additions to their software code. Scare, more scarily, maybe there's a security bug. We don't know. Uh, are they being open and honest about other security bugs, right? Or transparent or communicating those things? Yeah, that that's a big issue. So if you're a WooCommerce dev, besides being, you know, being really careful with your code, because that's important. Um, what would you suggest that developers should kind of think about really hard when they're building a Woo site in terms of security to lock it down? Yeah. Um, security for developers, right? There is the problem with security for developers is developers are focused on building new things, right? Making new features. And that's where they were. They're probably getting all their sense of accomplishment from. And that's totally fine. But to add on top of that, hey, you know, you need to learn all of these. Every security vulnerability that's ever existed is probably a big ask for most developers, right? They may be familiar with some, probably the more popular ones, but it starts getting into this gray area where, you know, after a while, how many times have you had to address PHP object injection or how many times do you, like, you know, all the security headers are set exactly correct, how these sites are needing it, you know, or you, you know, and so on and so forth. There's, uh, there's, basically an infinite amount of vulnerabilities that could potentially affect a website. There may be some that are undiscovered. Uh, so the idea there is for them is to just kind of keep an eye on these things. You don't have to learn and you shouldn't be learning security all in one day. You should learn it slowly over time. And another great way to do it, do that is to ask kindly people who are familiar with security bugs to review your code, right? If you have open source, if you're following open source ideologies and you're exposing your code, you can always say, hey, please, if you're a security researcher, look through my code. I, I, you know, you can say you welcome it. You know, welcome them in, invite them in. Uh, PatchStack can help with our bug bounty program called the PatchStack Alliance, but you don't necessarily need us. You just need to communicate. Hey, if you have a page up that says if you're a security researcher, 
here's the process I would like you to follow. And you'll probably find out that some people will follow the process and might even report things to you. Isn't one of the biggest problems that a lot of devs don't, developers don't have a process in place. And that's kind of, I think, where they get into trouble. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, the devs, especially in the WordPress ecosystem, or really, I should say all open source ecosystem, the big projects in open source, they've got these things. Some have signed up for bug bounty programs and they pay out bounties. Others simply have a page that explains what to do. And I'm thinking Apache, Nginx, and so big, big projects. But in the, in the end of the day, if you're even a small project, you can benefit. You don't have to pay the bounty. You just clearly communicate. Here is how I would like security vulnerabilities reported. You know, so, so you don't get any you know, accidental people going on your support forums and posting, you know, here's the full details about vulnerabilities in your plugin. You don't get the, the exposure or the, the, you know, the, the headlines of your plugin is vulnerable because somebody decided to just go full disclosure again. Uh, you tell them, you know, here's how I would like you to report this. And then, then it's completely on the security researcher if they ignore everything you've asked them very kindly to do. Hey everyone, Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. Our sponsor Nexus has made some game-changing enhancements to their managed hosting plans. These include WooCommerce automated testing, sales performance monitor, and plugin performance monitor to keep you or your client sites powerful, profitable, and error-free. Trust me, we know it as Do The Woo is powered by Nexus. Now, best of all, all of these are free with any Nexus plan. So make sure and take a moment and head over to nexus.net. Email and SMS. We know both are critical to the success of any Woo shop. So whether you are building a client site or looking to up your game on your own site, Clavio has you covered from a simple shop to a full-scale enterprise e-commerce site. With well-defined segmentation, triggered automations, and over 70 pre-built one-click integrations and open APIs, this will save you a lot of hassle as a builder. These are only a few features that you will get with the service and the WooCommerce extension. So make sure and go to Clavio.com to learn more about the WooCommerce integration and I suggest peruse their in-depth documentation. Make sure and check out both of these pod friends. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah. And what's the, you know, normal phase? We've had a lot of discussions in the community that when we report bugs, it should be 90 days. It should be 120 days. Do you have any feeling? And I know like typically in other spaces out of the open source world, like Microsoft, it all depends on how dangerous the bug is. And I've seen bugs come out two years later. What is like really the acceptable timeline to say to this, to the community that we haven't patched a a bug and what should we go from there? Yeah. Yeah. The timelines for disclosure is a big one and that varies. I'm going to say it definitely depends on the project, a project that has dedicated developers, right? If you have a team of developers, you're probably looking at one to two weeks for the patch, right? A, a standard release cycle, something like that. Depend Again, this also depends how long are your sprints, the company, et cetera. But you're looking at two weeks, probably on average, but that's from report time to patch. Some I've seen will patch vulnerabilities the same day. 
coincidentally, most of the time, coincidentally, this seems to be the places with just one developer. And that's like the developer is the project. So they're very serious about patching it. They're very honest about it. And they'll get to those issues right away. But really, if we're going to say be very broad, like a 30-day timeline is pretty normal. It's pretty sufficient to capture most places that are serious. But maybe a 60-day timeline. If your project is something that you do on the you know, just in the summer, like outside of a college time, right? You're doing it in between a real job maybe, and you need to to schedule the time to do it. Uh, then that's the point in time where, well, you communicate that. Uh, as the developer, you say, my return timelines might be 60 or 90 or even 120 days. Uh, just let them know why, you know, like it, security bugs might not get addressed right away because of restrictions that you have. And the sooner you communicate that sort of thing, the better. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's, being consistent and communicating. I mean, we've, I've seen it in this space way too many times where a bug is blown up. So I'll give an example. Um, recently, one of the big bugs at the time of this recording was the all-in-one migration utility. And it's kind of been everywhere. And I had a colleague call me and say, are you concerned about that? And I said, truthfully, I'm not. Because I think they've handled it well. If you looked at the bug, the patch is already out. So there's the trust factor. Updraft Plus, one of the biggest backup programs in this space and widely used, went through that where there was three or four updates in a row, four weeks in a row. And somebody said, oh, I'm concerned. I said, why are you concerned? They're actually doing the work and patching. So my trust level's there, right? Yeah. 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 You can, you should always highly trust every developer who releases security patches. And the exact opposite is true. Like you should never trust a developer who never releases security patches. Don't, don't, don't be absolute there, but like, it's definitely suspicious. Yeah, it it sure is. And, And to be fair, I don't think like in the last while we've seen any real bad bugs in the WooCommerce space per se, like we've seen a few, but we haven't seen anything astronomical that I've seen. Like I I think website developers or Woo stores are generally pretty careful because we're dealing with people's lives and money even more than on a regular website. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once you start dealing with a credit card, it becomes a very serious issue. And I think most WooCommerce developers, it's obvious, it's WooCommerce. (laughs) You know, the commerce is in the name. You know, this is a big issue. Yeah, and, and like credit card processing, that that's really important too. I mean, we're in an electronic age. We've gone on and on about the pandemic. Um, most people in North America for credit card processing, I would think, are running either Stripe or PayPal. Those are the two common ones, depending overseas what country. Are the credit card companies, like the processing companies, more at risk in your opinion or less at risk? Or is it just the volume of transactions that are going through. Yeah. Um, So from the credit card company's perspective, I'll try to put myself in that mindset. I think it's gotten better for them. Uh, PCI is very old now. And I remember when it first came out, people really seemed to like to fear PCI. Uh, PCI auditing was like companies, and I won't, don't look into my history to try to figure out which company this is. But one company said, what's the easiest, like I had discussions where they're like, what's the easiest PCI to pass? And that discussion from me, I was, I told my response back was they're all easy to pass. You just have to do the basics. Uh, and that and nowadays, really, most people see PCI gets, you know, passes are pretty easy to get through. It's a big questionnaire 
But it, the question there is just to really isolate what sort of technology you're using. So the PCI, you know, insurance board can I've put you in the right category as as the types of risks that you're going to be present. You know, you run the scan. They're not ter- they're not terribly expensive anymore. And, you know, you get the past report, you do it every quarter or every year, and you just keep yourself up to date. Now, it works well enough. I think I mentioned right there, one of the things I don't like about it is it's it's only kind of yearly, maybe quarterly. Uh, but and really, security is, you know, every week, every day, uh, any day a vulnerability could be released uh, that could be re- affecting a component on your websites. So it's important to stay up to date, you sh- and you should be staying up to date. Yeah. Do you have any theory, Robert, about when major releases come out, should they, I know people, some people hold them back because they're afraid of problems. Uh, I always say to developers, if you, if a major problem comes up, you should deal with it sooner than later. I always say to users, you should deal with it sooner than later, website owners as well. Do you think major releases should be held back or do you think we should just kind of move forward with them? Well, the major releases, if it's a, what I like is when major releases and feature releases are separate from security releases, because these are all, yeah, the user needs to know what, what will this clicking this update button do? Is it going to give me a new feature or is it going to protect me against attacks? Or is it just, you know, this is the next iteration, right? The next new big thing. And in that case, yeah, if it's just a major release and there's no other, and there's no hidden security features or anything like that, then stay on your existing release. Give it a couple of weeks. Let the bugs get kind of worked out because we see that, yeah, with major releases, sometimes a bug is introduced and not all the time, but sometimes. And when they are, it's nice to kind of be one behind and you just wait for that bug to get patched. And now you go to major release plus one. And now you're on the, you know, latest and greatest. And how do you feel about, um, uh, security firms or, and I'm not looking for anything controversial that like run firewalls on the front end to help you to avoid uh, security problems that sort of stop some of the vulnerabilities. Are they worth running? Or are they not worth running? Um, does the headache on the woo side help or not help? Yeah. Uh, well, firewalls and where they exist is a complicated thing because they could exist on a CDN. They could exist on your web applications uh, server itself. They could exist even within PHP, which gets really interesting. Uh, I think you should have a way to apply patches um, without affecting code. And this is really valuable. This is what these firewalls do. Let's say there's a vulnerability that came out and it's out now, right? And O'Day, some security researcher or black hat hacker went out and just released full source code for, let me think way back, uh, Tim Thumb is a good example. Uh, This is forever ago. And for those that don't know the vulnerability, just allowed arbitrary file upload. So the attackers didn't need authentication. They just needed to know the endpoint, right? Where's your Tim Thumb directory? Boom, they hit this upload file, uh, upload program, and it uploads the files for them. Of course, the attackers will upload backdoors and do further nefarious things from there. In that case, many users couldn't update their site's code, like in the code, the vulnerable component in their code fast enough. Uh, And this could have been for many reasons. Mostly, they weren't aware that a vulnerability existed and they had the need to go in and start clicking update on. And for Tim Thumb, this was themes. Themes are things that people don't think about security so much and they're a lot harder to update. So a lot of people were really slow on it and that resulted in a lot of people getting compromised in the end. 
one of the things that could have helped and did help with many hosting providers, that's where I was working at the time, was writing a web application firewall rule, which effectively acted as a virtual patch. Whenever somebody tried to hit the endpoint or the URL where the file uploader file existed, you would simply block the request. And it did break functionality in some sense for Tim Thumb websites where they wouldn't be able to use Tim Thumb's internal uploader, but of course, WordPress has its own internal upload tool. But more importantly, is it, pr- it protected the sites. Even though it reduced functionality, it protected the sites. It applied a virtual patch, which didn't change the code on the site itself. It just prevented the request from going through. So it's important, but also important where you put it. So this can exist on a CDN, like you would imagine like Cloudflare, where you have to adjust C- C- uh, DNS settings, putting it all in front of your website. It can exist on your website's web server itself. And like I said, um, you can it can exist within PHP itself where PHP is aware of some interesting things and you can actually do blocks of requests from PHP itself. Yeah, so true. Um, you know, kind of as we get to wrapping this up, what would be the couple things you would say to a, a developer to to help them in their journey with security? Because I, I think a lot of developers, as we've talked about, don't really understand that side. They sort of mm-hmm. say, oh, I write code. And so what, where would yeah. you suggest a developer start? Yeah. Yeah, if I was talking to developers, excuse me, developers, you are learning to code and you're learning a craft and a skill. And this is like great what you're doing. But a whole aspect of this is doing it securely in, in engineering. Right? You, you don't become an engineer because you can draw a picture of a building. You become a good engineer because you know the picture of the building you drew will continue to stand. Right? That building is sound. Right? The building is safe to use. Developers are really similar. You could build code that works, and you could also learn the skills, the further skills, the security skills, to learn co- to build code that is secure. And a great way to do that is to simply embrace it, right? Like attend information security conferences, find resources online that talk about how to, you know, find security bugs and how those security bugs work. Uh, something I do every week is writing the, or doing a podcast with a Patch Stack Weekly is what it's called. It's written written and audio where you guys can learn about whatever security topic I talk about this week. I just brush the surface. And if it's something you've never heard of, I'll give you the introduction. You can go further with it and find out how to apply it to your code. And I think once you know like kind of how security bugs work, then I'll share the biggest core concept, never trust user input or never trust external inputs. Uh, always clean those things up and always make sure they are what you expected. Uh, You'll start learning how to apply this through other methods of development, uh, like defensive coding. PHP unit tests are something that I've been talking about for a while. They're starting to, you're starting to see these things in the WordPress ecosystem. And I think that's great because unit tests are one of the easiest ways, well, to test if your function functions as you expect it to to do. And what a great place to put in some security testing right there. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just trying to educate yourself and and stay ahead of the curve as a developer. I mean, you got to continue to educate the the landscaper. The milestone keeps moving every day, and and I think yeah. if you try and learn a little more, it helps you write better code. And one of the things helping in code is good coding practices too. I mean, I've seen a lot of code in my time, and a yeah. lot of developers actually write what I call really bad code, the code that we've all taught people not to write. So, uh, I know that. I, I, there's a reason why I'm not actually a developer. 
I've developed code. I'm not particularly the best. The complex, I, and I, I have high respects for the complex data structures that some developers and tools build out and function as. But I'm, re- it turns out I'm really good at the nuance of like these specific security issues. And that's why, like I said, I, I share this information with others because I'd like everybody to be, you know, familiar with the nuances of security related issues. I don't, I've never found them scary or intimidating. And that's probably because I didn't write the code. So it was never like a expression that I'm not a good developer in that sense. But like I said, I know I'm not a good developer, but what I am good at is this little nuance thing. And I'd love to share that with other people. If they embrace the help that I give, then they'll become better developers from the process. So true. And it's funny, you were talking about um, how Patchstack and you do a, a, another podcast. One of my favorite ones was you talked about the history of WordPress security recently. And I think oh, yeah. people should go listen to that because I actually think, you know, as a developer, the tools are out there so much. We're in so much of a better place now than we were five years ago. And that's, you know, five years ago, it was Wild West. And now there's all kinds of tools out there to help you in your journey. I'm actually glad you brought that up because what I liked about when I wrote that was how much has changed. The WordPress core project wasn't didn't do everything in security right from the start. They've been around for, what is it, close to 19 years now. And they definitely have improved yeah, they definitely have improved in the time. So like you can look, I basically said like, look, I, I liked it when they're like the first patches for security patches, it was Matt Mullenweg himself saying that you need to open this file and edit this line. And how much better is it now that uh, uh, updates are automatic? You can just click update, please. Thank you. And it just works. Thanks, Robert. If somebody wants to get a hold of you or talk about Patchstack or talk about anything you're doing, how's the best way these days? Yeah, basically find me through Patchstack, either patchstack.com. I do those weeklies. You can find you know Patchstack app on, on Twitter. And I personally on Twitter is I am Lay, I-A-M-L-E-I. But mostly just you know find me anywhere. You can always email me too. I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. And I'm Rob Cairns. You can find me at Rob Cairns on Twitter or stunningdigitalmarketing.info. We'll give you all the links that you need to get in contact. So reach out and I'm sure if Robert can help you or if I can help you, we'd always be glad to. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. Nexus Hosting, where you will get WooCommerce Automated Testing, Sales Performance Monitor, and Plugin Performance Monitor, all included free at Nexus.net. And Clavio, if you're looking for a WooCommerce extension that will fit the needs of both all your email and SMS marketing, check them out at Clavio.com. Make sure to follow us at DoTheWoo on Twitter. You can always keep on top of things at DoTheWoo.io or, of course, on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep on doing the woo.